0: Welcome to the You on the Camino podcast for and about first time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, with your host, guide, and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. We've been working along on the Camino Planning Roadmap. Looking at such things as when is the best time to walk the Camino, how long will it take, or how long do you want to spend, which route to walk, and where to start on your chosen route. By now, you may be wondering, how much will this all cost? That's the next step in the planning roadmap, and we will get to that soon. Hi, this is Nancy, and this episode is strategically placed here. In the podcast series, because by now, if you've been following along, you are just about ready to put together your Camino budget and make some definite plans. Before you can put together your budget, though, you'll need to know where you will be sleeping, as the cost of accommodations will be one of the biggest on the ground expenses for the entire trip. But the question of where to sleep is so much more than a budgeting question right next to the question of who will you walk with, I think where you will sleep is one of the biggest factors in what type of Camino experience you will have. I've used the word albergue many times in this podcast and have said that albergue is the Spanish word for hostel. In this episode, I'm going to give you the whole story on the hostels along the Camino and share with you why so many people who have walked the Camino say that staying in the albergues is central to the Camino experience. Sleeping in albergues isn't for everyone though, so I will also share with you the other options for sleeping along the way and talk about why you might choose those. Again, this is central to the experience you will have walking the Camino. A couple of reminders, my experience is primarily with the Camino Frances route, so any specific examples I share are from that route. And as always, take what works for you from this episode and leave the rest behind. Okay, some specifics about the albergues. Let's start with what is a hostel? Hostels are found all over the world and are also called backpackers or youth hostels in some countries. Most countries, though, have dropped the word youth, and you're likely to find people of all ages staying in hostels. The modern day concept of hostels was started a little over 100 years ago by a German teacher who wanted his students to be able to travel. He knew the students would need two things for it to be affordable, and for them to be able to meet and interact with other young people like themselves. So hostels typically offer beds or bunk beds in shared dormitory style rooms, plus common areas like a kitchen, living room, or game room, where travelers can come together, hang out, meet others, and make friends with whom they could share the travel experience. Because travelers are paying for a bed rather than a room, as in a hotel, the cost is much lower, and the trip can be longer because the travel budget goes further. Let's translate this to the Camino. Hostels, or albergues, on the Camino are located along every route. The Francais, the Primitivo del Norte, the Portuguese, the Ingles, every route. In France, they may also be called alberges or gite, which is G-I-T-E. On the Camino Frances, there are more than 400 albergues from Saint-Jean-Pilport to Santiago de Compostela, making thousands of beds available to pilgrims. There are different types of albergues, which I'll go into shortly, but for now, let me say that some albergues are available only to pilgrims heading to Santiago de Compostela on foot, bike, or horseback, and some are available to any traveler or tourist. Nonetheless, the albergues you see along the Camino will usually be filled with pilgrims on their way to Santiago, and each pilgrim will need to present the pilgrim's passport, or credencial, in order to stay at the albergues. Many people say the albergues are the heart of the pilgrim community, where pilgrims hang out, share meals, do laundry together, and, it must be said, sleep in close quarters. These features help to facilitate the friendships and connections between pilgrims, which is, I think, what people love about the albergues. In recent years, the narrative around staying in albergues has become, well, I'll say a little intense, with some people saying that to be a true pilgrim, you must stay only in albergues and not in hotels or other places with private rooms. It's an interesting myth The truth is, albergues were never intended to replace other types of accommodations for pilgrims traveling to Santiago de Compostela. In what looks like foresight to me, in 1987, at a conference held in Jaca, Spain, by the Amigos, Friends of the Camino Association, it was suggested that refugios, similar to those offered in the Middle Ages, be established in remote villages and mountain areas of the Camino, where there were few options for pilgrims to stay. These would be donativo or donation albergues for pilgrims who could not afford to pay for hotels or pensions. As pilgrim traffic started to increase in the early 2000s, more and more albergues were opened to accommodate the pilgrim numbers. To give you a sense of scale, when I first walked the Camino Francais in 2005, there were about 110 albergues on the Francais route, from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port to Santiago. Now there are more than 400. Simply put, the albergues make it possible for the cities, towns, and villages along the Camino routes to accommodate the number of pilgrims that pass through each year and that pilgrims can pay for a bed rather than for a room makes walking the Camino affordable for more people. 1987 is relatively recent in the more than 1,000-year history of the Camino de Santiago. So what do we make of the idea that in order to be a true pilgrim, one must stay at the albergues? Well, (laughs) I think you can decide for yourself if that's true. And you can decide for yourself if staying at the Albergues is for you. I'm going to share with you some information about the Albergues so you have the full picture and can make that decision for yourself. And I will also share with you the other types of accommodations available on the Camino so you can choose where to sleep if staying in the Albergues isn't for you. Let's look now at the what, the where, and the how they work of albergues. I'll start with the question of where do you find them. The albergues are found directly on the Camino trail or just down a signposted side street. Always, they are located within a day's walk of each other or less, although that distance varies by route. For example, on the Camino Frances, the farthest you will ever have to walk between albergues is 17 kilometers which is about 10 miles. But usually you'll find the next albergue within 8 to 12 kilometers which is about 5 to 8 miles. In some towns and villages along the Camino Frances you'll find only one albergue. In cities such as Pamplona, Estella, Los Arcos and Burgos you will have 3 or more to choose from. Sarria the most common starting point for those walking the final 100 kilometers, and Santiago, each have 10 or more albergues. How do you know which towns have albergues? Easy. There are a number of excellent, up-to-date apps and websites available that list all of the albergues for each of the routes. I will put the names of my favorites in the notes for this episode, and I'll mention them now. My favorite app is called Camino Ninja, but unfortunately, as of the day this episode is going live, that app hadn't been updated for several months. The sad news is that the app owner passed away unexpectedly in the summer of 2022. So, if you already have that app, make a note that not everything in it is current and you may want to cross-reference to another source of information. I have heard that the app in its current state is still available in the Apple Store for iPhone users, but I can confirm that it's not available for Android users at this point, which is October 2022. Another solid choice is the Wise Pilgrim app, which is available for a small fee and for most of the Camino routes. There are two websites I like to reference, both of which are in Spanish, but are nonetheless easy to follow. Those are Gronze, G-R-O-N-Z-E, and the Arowski sites, both of which have excellent information and good reputations. And the best part is that both websites cover most, if not all, the Camino routes in Spain and Portugal. And they are free. I will put those website links in the notes as well. What if you prefer to go low-tech when you walk the Camino Frances? If you start your walk in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, you will receive a list of all the albergues on that route from Saint-Jean to Santiago when you visit the pilgrim's office there. It's a paper document that has evolved from the single two-sided piece of paper I received in 2007 To the six pages of its current iteration, that now also includes the albergues from Santiago to Fistera and Muxia. Let's move on now to the facilities and amenities typically found in albergues. Sleeping rooms in albergues are usually mixed gender dorm rooms where men and women sleep in the same room in bunk beds, occasionally you will come across an albergue that has separate gender dorm rooms, but this is rare. Dorm rooms typically sleep 8 to 20 people, but you may also find a room with more than 100 beds under a single ceiling, or smaller rooms for 2 to 4 people. I think of it as camp. (laughs) Remember that from when you were a kid? Many albergues now have designated private rooms with private bathrooms as well, which couples or friends can share. Not all albergues have bunk beds. Some offer camas, C-A-M-A-S, or single beds, with no one above or below you. Some also have these cool cubicle-style beds, which you climb into and then close a curtain for privacy. If your plan is to stay in the albergues, you'll need to bring along a sleeping bag or sleep sack. Many albergues now provide disposable sheets, but you can't count on that. And I don't think you'll want to count on that as they aren't very comfortable. The other bedding albergues usually provide are pillows and blankets, but you may have to ask for the blankets and there may be a small fee to use one. In any event, I recommend bringing along a pillow cover, as I don't think you can count on those being changed every day, if they have them at all. What else will you find at the albergues in addition to beds? Well, you will find showers, usually with hot water. There are a few albergues that don't have hot water, and at those that have it, it could run out with 20 or 50 or 100 pilgrims wanting a shower. And I should mention that the restroom or bathroom facilities in albergues are shared, not private. And sometimes the bathrooms are even shared by both men and women, as the dorm rooms are. You can expect to find some kind of clothes washing facility at your albergue. At the more basic end of the scale, that may be a place to hand wash your clothes in cold water and a line outside to hang your clothes to dry. There could also be hot water for hand washing and a heated indoor room for drying. And many albergues now have a washing machine and dryer available for a set fee or donation. Lots of possibilities, but always some option available. Part of the charm and an expense-saving feature of staying in albergues is the ability to cook your own meals in the shared kitchen. This is especially fun when you're with a group of pilgrim friends and you team up to shop, cook, and eat together. I will mention that COVID changed the albergue kitchen landscape some, so do be sure to check that each kitchen is available if cooking is your plan. Some more things to check. Kitchens in albergues on the Camino are, well, I'll say, unequally equipped. Some have all the cooking gear you will need, plus plates, bowls, cups, and utensils, while others will have nothing but a sink and cooker or stovetop with burners. Or there might just be a microwave oven. It's definitely best to check the facilities before you head to the supermarket to shop for your dinner ingredients. Sometimes there is a kitchen, but it isn't available for pilgrims to use to cook. Instead, your albergue host or hospitalero may provide a meal that they cook for you. Another important amenity at the albergues is Wi-Fi, which is pronounced Wi-Fi in Spanish. Just like hot water, all but a few of the albergues offer Wi-Fi. It may not be very fast, though, and it may not be available from your bunk bed. And it may be a little on the slow side because 20 or 50 Or 100 people are trying to connect. By the way, Wi-Fi is also commonly available at bars along the way. Let's look next at when the albergues are open. According to that comprehensive list of albergues given out by the Pilgrim's Office in Saint-Jean that I mentioned a moment ago, roughly half of the albergues on the Camino Frances are open year-round. Note, though, that for those that are listed as open all year, some will close from Christmas to mid-January. If you're walking during the colder months from November through March, you will want to check each day to be sure an albergue is open in the town you're headed to. Those albergues that aren't open all year will be open during the peak walking season which runs each year from Easter to roughly the middle or end of October or sometimes a couple weeks into November on a daily basis albergues usually open in early to mid afternoon to receive and check in pilgrims albergue doors close for the night at 10 or 10:30 p.m. and everyone is expected to be in by this time Check out and closing hours for the morning vary, but most albergues will ask pilgrims to leave by eight or nine in the morning. Running an albergue requires an incredible amount of work, and so it is important to respect these opening and closing hours so that the albergue host or hospitalero can complete all the tasks required to prepare the albergue for the next night's guest and get a much deserved break. Let's look at the cost of staying in the albergues now. This is one of the features that make them such an attractive accommodations option. Albergues on the Camino cost from seven to 20 euros per night, and some accepted donation of your choosing. That gets you a single bunk or bed in a dorm room. If you'd like to stay in a private room with a private bathroom, In an albergue, you will usually pay more, say around 35 to 55 euros for a room for one or two people. Some albergues have sleeping rooms with three or four beds. So if you're traveling with a small group of friends or family, you can get your own technically private room for the same cost as the same number of beds in a larger not private room. A few words about albergues that accept donations or a donativo for their beds or meals. If you tuned in for episode 13, you may remember the top tip for that episode was about the camino concept of donativo. What does donativo mean? Well, what it doesn't mean is free. The idea behind the donativo albergues is that each pilgrim gives what he or she is able to give. For some pilgrims, that may, in fact, be nothing or very little. But for many, if not most pilgrims, an appropriate donation would be what you would pay for a bed at a non-donativo albergue. For example, if you would usually pay 8 or 10 or 15 euros for a bed at an albergue, then that is what you would pay at the Donativo place or more. And that's the key. Donativo albergues survive on the cash donations given to them by pilgrims who can afford to pay for their services. The donation you give today is what allows them to open the doors the next day you may be wondering if there is any correlation between the cost of an albergue bed and the facilities that are available. In many cases, yes. Typically, albergues at the lower end of the cost range offer the more basic facilities, while those at the higher end provide more modern and comfortable facilities. Note that this is not always the case, though. In a future episode, I will share with you some of the unique and special albergue experiences available along the Camino Frances. And you will discover that some of the most amazing experiences have nothing or very little to do with the facilities. But for now, let me give you a rundown of the different types of albergues on the way. Albergue ownership or operation falls into 6 general categories first are the municipal albergues, which are operated by the local government or municipality. Municipal facilities are the most basic and will be at the lower end of the cost range. Municipal albergues are located in most towns and cities along each of the Camino routes, but not usually in the smaller villages. And by the way, in Spanish, it's pronounced municipal. Next, parish or parochial, which is pronounced parochial, albergues are run by the local church or diocese. Parochial albergues often offer a mass or blessing by the local priest, and some will organize a shared meal for the pilgrims. Most of the parochial albergues are donativo, meaning you choose how much you pay based on your means, which As I've said, doesn't mean they are free. The next category, convents and monasteries that serve as albergues, provide a unique experience on this Catholic pilgrimage route. In these, pilgrims are hosted by nuns and monks, and often there is a Mass, pilgrim blessing, or Vespers available during your stay. Next, if you see the word red, that's the Spanish word for network. Next to the word albergue, that property is part of a network of private hostels that have organized into an association and are managed by an individual or a management group. They have modern facilities that cater to the needs of pilgrims and are in the middle of the cost range. Another category is the association albergues that are run by the local Spanish Pilgrim Association or an international confraternity or association. These are usually staffed by former pilgrims who volunteer for two weeks at a time. What's special about these albergues is that you are hosted by people who have literally been in your shoes or boots, and they have a special understanding of the needs of pilgrims. These albergues are sometimes donativo, and if not, usually at the lower end of the cost range. Lastly, private albergues are businesses run by an individual or family. Typically, these are at the higher end of the cost range, and they offer modern facilities, private rooms in addition to dorm rooms, and often more flexible opening and closing hours. Why do I share these categories with you? Well, if you're looking for a specific type of experience, you may want to choose specific types of albergues. Or if you have a small budget for your pilgrimage, you may want to seek out those with lower nightly fees, such as the municipal albergues, or even those that accepted donation as the parochial albergues do. With more than 400 albergues on the Camino Frances, you can be certain no two are alike. There may be similarities among, say, all the municipal or parochial albergues, but then there are wild variations overall in the areas of quality, cleanliness, amenities, and functionality. Beyond the basics of a bed and shower, you may also find such lovely things as a sunny terrace, free use of a washing machine, that heated drying room for your laundry that I mentioned, a PowerPoint and reading light at each bed, single beds instead of bunk beds, maybe a lounge with comfortable chairs, definitely free Wi-Fi, and sometimes a bar inside the albergue. Some albergues are truly five-star. You may also find places with no electricity, drafty doorways, dirty mattresses, filthy bathrooms, no running water, no blankets or pillows, mats on the floor instead of beds, one shower for 40 people, or 18 bunk beds crammed into a tiny room, (laughs) but hopefully not all at the same albergue. Regardless of the state of the facility, sometimes you'll come across an albergue host who overcomes all shortcomings and obstacles. Never doubt that one person can make a difference. As I've said, albergue hosts are called hospitaleros or hospitalera with an A if it's a woman. And an attentive, caring hospitalera can change your entire Camino experience. Again, some of the hospitaleros are volunteers and former pilgrims who work at albergues to give back and share the spirit of the Camino. These volunteers really understand the needs of pilgrims having been in our boots themselves. In addition to stamping the pilgrim's credencial, the hospitalero also collects the overnight fee, orients the pilgrims to the facility, and directs them to their beds. But this is only a small part of the role played by albergue hosts. The task of running an albergue also includes cleaning and maintaining the facility, caring for weary injured, or sick pilgrims, and sometimes preparing dinner and breakfast. hospitaleros are the first ones up in the morning and the last ones to bed at night after he or she turns out the lights and locks the front door. They're experts on their town or village and will know where to buy food, when the Mass is held, and what time the bar opens in the morning. Often your host, having once been a pilgrim him or herself, will even know what lies ahead on the trail. From what I've described so far, what do you think? Will you stay in the albergues? Is staying in the albergues really necessary to have a true pilgrim experience? This is the point where I want to look at the other side of the coin. Yes, for some pilgrims, the albergues are the heart of the pilgrim community. But I can share from personal experience that that isn't the case for everyone. For some people, staying in the albergues just isn't a good fit. I will share some examples from my own time staying in albergues on the Camino Frances. When I first started walking the Camino in 2005, Up until I started leading groups in 2013, I stayed mostly in albergues. Anytime I was walking with Camino friends, people who I had met on the trail and knew, and we ended up in the same sleeping room in the albergue, and anytime I had the chance to cook a meal and eat together with people I knew, it was a wonderful experience. More often than not, though, I found myself on my own, not knowing anyone. That's because I typically walk shorter stages than most other pilgrims, and anyone I have gotten to know usually gets a stage or two ahead of me pretty quickly. Here's the problem with that. I ended up sleeping in a lot of dorm rooms with people, men and women, who I didn't know. Sleeping in a room full of strangers many of whom snored (laughs) or made other noises in the night. Because I'm a light sleeper, I have spent a lot of sleepless hours in albergue dorm rooms. The other thing about me is that I am an introvert and very private. Maybe you are too. So sleeping in a shared dorm room with strangers often feels very unsettling and tiring to me in a couple different ways. I do love to meet and get to know new people, which albergue life offers. But often on the Camino, I'm just too tired from walking to put forth that effort day after day. There are other reasons I don't uniformly love albergue life. Things like having to wait in line to use a toilet, or being the 10th plus person to use a shared shower. I don't love sleeping in overcrowded rooms unless it's with my people, which is seldom the case for me. And I'm not a fan of having to be out the door by eight in the morning, especially if it's still dark out as it is in the fall and winter months. I don't mean to sound negative or over dramatic. I really don't. Rather, I want to be sure to paint an accurate picture of albergue life. Truth be told, often all of these things can be overcome simply by being with your pilgrim friends or Camino family as it's sometimes called. Then they become shared experiences you either weather together or laugh about together rather than something that wears you down and overtaxes your nervous system. Many pilgrims will argue that these situations are just all part of being a pilgrim which may have been the case for them. Are these essential pilgrim experiences? Does it really matter where you sleep? Staying in albergues, and especially staying in shared dorm rooms and using shared bathroom facilities, isn't for everyone, and that's okay. My solution is to stay in private rooms, sometimes at an albergue, but usually at a different type of accommodation, which I will talk about next. If sharing space with friends, barely friends, and sometimes strangers, isn't your thing either, you can seek out the pension, hotels, and other private accommodation options along your chosen route. I'm now going to make a major shift of focus from all the detailed information I've been sharing about staying in albergues. It may actually feel like we've switched to an entirely new episode, but I will bring this all together once I lay out the private room options. As with the rest of this discussion, I will mention again that my experience is mostly on the Camino Frances, so I will be talking about the sleeping options there. Much of what I share with you, though, can be applied to accommodation options in France and Portugal, and you can check online resources to confirm how much things cost where you will be going. That reminds me also to mention that any prices I quote will be current at the time I publish this podcast in early November 2022. Prices change regularly, usually in an upward direction, so be sure to check the current rates when you're making your final Camino budget. I'll start here with an overview of each of the options on the private accommodations landscape, and I will look closely at the cost involved. I will also mention that I'm going to be generalizing in my descriptions of the types of accommodations you'll find on the Camino, as there are variations in each class or category of places to stay. Remember, you're covering an 800-kilometer stretch of Camino. Like anywhere in Europe, and really anywhere in the world, travelers have many choices for where to sleep, with places that offer varying levels of comfort, luxury, and privacy. The more comfort and luxury you have, of course, the more you will pay. And privacy comes at a cost too. Compared to other places in Europe though, I have found accommodations on the Camino to be incredibly affordable for what you get. Let's get to that overview of the different categories of accommodations. Oh, here's another generalization first. Private room pricing often defaults to the assumption that there will be two people sharing the room. So if you're on your own, you may end up paying the full amount for a double room. But sometimes there will be a lower price for individual use, or in Spanish, uso individual the prices I share are simply guidelines for budgeting purposes. You may end up paying more or less. Here we go. Next up in comfort and privacy from the albergues is the pension. These are small family-run places that offer basic private rooms with either private bathrooms, but more often a shared bathroom down the hall. It's very likely that your host won't speak English and there won't be someone on duty at the reception desk overnight. It's also likely that there won't be food available at a pension, no bar or restaurant. Pension rooms cost anywhere from 25 to 45 euros for one person and a bit more if there's a second person in a double room. My favorite type of accommodation on the Camino is this next one, the Ostal, that's H-O-S. T A L which is a small locally run hotel. Note that this is different from the English word for albergue which is hostel, H O S T E L. Again, don't expect English or 24-hour reception, but do expect a clean, comfortable private room usually with a private bathroom. What hostales often have that pensions don't is a common room or terrace where you can hang out, relax, and meet other pilgrims. And an hostal may or may not have a bar or restaurant on site. Hostales are a bit more expensive than pensions, with a price range between 35 to 50 euros for an individual room and a bit more for a double. Up another level in comfort and luxury are the hotels you'll find along the Camino. Of course, I am generalizing. Some hotels are much nicer than others, and some aren't luxurious at all. At the high end, you will find the Spanish Patador, which is a luxury hotel often set in a restored palace or monastery or castle or other historic building. There are several Patador hotels along the Camino Frances, including the one in the city of León, which was made famous by the movie The Way. Rooms at that hotel and the Parador in Santiago de Compostela start at around 175 euros a night midweek and go up quickly from there. The nice thing about hotels is that you can expect there to be English-speaking staff, at least the basics of English, that is, and also there's a good chance of 24-hour reception in case you need something or someone in the middle of the night. Because there is such variety of quality and amenities, it's difficult to be specific on the cost of hotel rooms along the Camino routes. If you're planning to stay exclusively in hotels, you could expect to pay anywhere from 50 to 150 euros a night, or more for those patador rooms. Another favorite type of accommodation for me is the Casa Rural or Rural House. As the name suggests, these are country-style homes that have been turned into accommodations for travelers and vacationers. In some cases, you can rent the entire house and bring the family for a getaway. For our purposes, pilgrims can rent just one room with a private bathroom, like at an Ostal or Hotel. Some Casa Rurales will serve dinner and breakfast for an additional cost, so be sure to ask what is available. Price wise, a Casa Rural will be similar to the low end or middle of the price range for hotels and will vary depending on how fancy the place is. There's one more class of private accommodations that feels relatively new on the Camino landscape, <laughs> meaning I just discovered it this year and that is the apartment rental. Talk about value. Imagine having your own little apartment complete with a kitchen, living room, bedroom, and bathroom. There may also be a washing machine so you can do your own laundry and a couch to sit on. Now imagine paying the price you would pay for a hotel room for all this space and these amenities. Specifically, I have found apartment rentals on the Camino Frances for around 50 to 60 euros a night for one person, plus another 10 to 20 euros for a second person. The cool thing about apartment rentals on the Camino is that often they sleep up to three or more people. So if you get in with a Camino family or friends, you may want to explore this option. I can imagine you cooking dinner together and hanging out on your couch while your dirty pilgrim clothes spin in the machine. And what a great option for a rest day. Okay, so far we have the albergue, the pension, the hostal, hotels, the casa rural, and apartment rentals. These cover the main categories of accommodations on the Camino, and anything else you see will be a variation on these. Now, how do you find these places? For starters, many of the places with private rooms are listed in the Camino apps and on the Gronze website I mentioned earlier. These and others can also be found on Google Maps and on booking.com. All private accommodations can be booked in advance and in the busy parts of the season probably should be booked ahead. You can hire a tour company to make the bookings for you, or you can book them yourself, either before you leave home or as you move along the trail, a day or two or three in advance. Speaking of making advance reservations, some albergue beds can be reserved in advance. The list of albergues you get from the Pilgrim's Office and the apps and websites will show you which ones can and cannot be booked ahead. At this point, you may be wondering: hey, won't I be missing out on the heart of the pilgrim community if I don't stay in albergues? Well, yes and no. Private accommodations along the Camino will be full of other pilgrims just like you. Many of the facilities will have a common room or outdoor terrace where guests can relax and mingle, and hotels will likely have a restaurant or bar where you can share a meal with your pilgrim friends. In addition, some of these places, like some of the Casa Rurales, will serve a meal for their pilgrim guests. This is especially true if you happen to be in a village that doesn't have a bar or restaurant that's open in the evening to serve meals. One thing you will miss out on by staying in private accommodations is the delightful experience of cooking a meal together with other pilgrims. If that's the experience you're after, you may want to consider seeking out private rooms in some of the privately run albergues. Oh, and one more thing. If you're staying in an hostal, hotel, or pension, you will need to work out how and where to do your laundry, which I will go into greater detail about in a future episode. Having said all of this, I want to openly acknowledge that staying in the albergues on the Camino does offer a unique and special Camino experience. And staying in hotels, hostales, and apartments is simply not the same. It is different. There is something missing. For me, what's missing when I stay in hotels and apartments is the hospitality provided by the hospitaleros who have walked the Camino and know what I'm going through. Yes, there is wonderful hospitality offered at other places. And no, not all albergues are hosted by former pilgrims. So this is another generalization. The pilgrim community is found not only in the albergues and not only at the end of the day around the dinner table. It also lives on the trail during the day, at rest stops, and at coffee breaks at bars along the way. If you are walking the Camino, any Camino route, you will be in the heart of the pilgrim community simply by being there. But as I have learned, you do have to put yourself out there. Fortunately, the other pilgrims are also eager to connect and share this beautiful journey of life lived on the Camino Trail. What if you're on the fence? Maybe you'll try out the albergues, maybe not. One idea is to do a test run at a hostel in your home country before you head to the Camino. See how it feels to sleep in a shared dorm room. It won't be exactly like staying in an albergue on the Camino, but at least you'll get a taste of the shared hostel community life. Then, if you're going to give albergues a try, but you aren't certain it will work for you, I would suggest having extra money in your budget to allow for higher-priced accommodations, just in case it doesn't go well. If your budget isn't quite so flexible, you may consider a mixed approach, alternating between albergues and places with private rooms. I said at the start of this episode that I think where you sleep on the Camino is one of the biggest influencers of the type of experience you will have on the Camino. I hope after listening to this episode, you'll have a sense of why I say that, and also will have a better idea of where you want to sleep and why. For me, making the transition from sleeping in dorm rooms to sleeping in private rooms was a journey of self discovery and learning to honor my own needs. I so badly wanted to connect and be part of the pilgrim community in the albergues, but I had to acknowledge that it just wasn't a good fit for me. If you choose to stay in private rooms, you may encounter some strong, judgy opinions about your choice. You may hear from other pilgrims who consider themselves purists, who will say you aren't a true pilgrim. Are you a true pilgrim? What does that mean to you? I think it's worth spending some time on that question, not so you can defend yourself to other pilgrims, but so you know in your heart and mind your intentions for walking the Camino. The Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage route, but walking the Camino isn't a pilgrimage experience for everyone. People walk the Camino for many different reasons and your reasons are all yours, just as where you sleep is up to you. Okay, how about a quick review of the pricing I've covered in this episode so you have that handy for the next episode, which will answer the question of how much does it cost to walk the Camino? Here we go, remembering that these are generalizations and prices are subject to change. At the low end of the scale, albergue beds cost 7 to 20 euros a night. A room in a pension costs anywhere from 25 to 45 euros a night. Next step up to stay in an hostel plan for 35 to 50 euros a night. Staying at a hotel will cost you around 50 euros a night at the low end, all the way up to 100 euros or more a night for a bit more comfort and luxury. For a Casa Rural, plan to spend 50 to 75 euros a night. For all of these private room options, plan to add another 5 to 20 euros to the cost if there are two people in the room. And finally, you should be able to get an apartment rental in the 50 to 100 euros a night range, depending on how many people will be staying there. There you have it. Thank you for sticking with me through all these numbers and all these details. Once you have an idea of what accommodations on the Camino cost, then you can begin to work on a budget for your pilgrimage. True confession, I'm not big on budgeting, which is good news for you because that means I'm going to keep it super simple. And I'll be doing that in the next episode. Now, let me wrap this up with this episode's top tip which has nothing to do with where you sleep on the Camino. It is, however, specifically for those of you who are planning to walk the Camino Francés route and start in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. Here it is. If you are prone to motion sickness, seriously consider approaching Saint-Jean from within France rather than traveling from within Spain and taking the bus or a taxi from Pamplona. I'll explain. Every time I'm in Spain on the Francaise route, I find myself drawn to St. Jean-Pied-du-Port, even if I am not leading a group from there. I usually get to St. Jean by way of Pamplona, which is to say that I usually fly into Madrid and approach it from within Spain. And every time, I dread the ride from Pamplona to St. Jean, which I usually do by bus. This last time in September 2022, I decided to refresh my memory on how to get to Saint-Jean from within France. I flew to Paris, then spent the night there near the Montparnasse train station. I did that because I wanted to take the train to Bayonne, and more specifically, because I wanted to take another train from there to Saint-Jean for a scenically beautiful ride to the start of my walk. Unfortunately, the train from Bayonne to Saint-Jean wasn't running because of some problems or maintenance with the train line. So they put all the pilgrims on a bus and got us to Saint-Jean that way. I say unfortunately, but I'm so glad it worked out this way because I discovered or was reminded that as someone who is prone to motion sickness, the ride from Bayonne to Saint-Jean is a breeze compared to the ride from Pamplona to Saint-Jean. And that's true whether you are on the train or a bus. If you'd like to see what I mean, take a look at your favorite mapping app. I use Google Maps and it shows me how crazy windy the road is, starting from Zubiri in Spain, which is a little ways out of Pamplona, all the way to Saint-Jean. So windy for a bus or taxi. And also, coming out of Pamplona, the road is full of roundabouts, or what you may call traffic circles, which are completely dizzying on a big bus. The road from Bayonne to St. Jean also looks a little windy on the map, but there is absolutely no comparison to the road from Spain. And you may be lucky, and the train will be running when you go from Bayonne to St. Jean, which will be no problem. If you are prone to motion sickness like I am, and you don't like to use medications to counter it, which, by the way, make me feel awful just in a different way, then I would like to recommend approaching Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port from within France. I wish you happy and calm travels. Bye for now.